For you that are visiting here this morning, we want to say thank you for coming, for supporting your loved ones and as they enter the waters of baptism today. And baptism is one thing that is, uh, it can be a touchy subject, a touchy subject. But I believe that the Word of God just makes it so clear and so plain. And, and I often ask people this, before I speak on subjects like this, why do you believe what you believe? Is it because you were taught something? Uh, maybe from a teacher, or maybe you heard something on the radio or TV. Maybe you read something. Maybe you heard a, a blog or a, 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 a vlog or, or a podcast, or maybe you heard it from another pastor. I would ask you, why do you believe what you believe on certain things? I know this. Some of you know my background and my past. There was a time where I believed things just because I was them. And I was actually one that would sit in a service and I would be taking notes, and, and I'd be taking in everything that the pastor was saying at the podium. But what happened was this. There came to a point where I started really studying the Word of God for myself and looking and, and meditating on the Word of God, going back and studying it and asking the Holy Spirit to lead me, where I really started seeing that some things that I was taught was not necessarily true to God's Word. So I'd ask you that question this morning. So what do you think about baptism? Because we're going to look into the Word of God, and I want to uh, just let you know, I was talking to somebody before service, and I said each one of these parts I could actually take and spend three, four weeks on. And I'm not going to do that today because I just simply want to bring a, an understanding to what baptism is. And maybe you're going to be sitting here today, and like I said, if you make the decision to be baptized, we can do that today. We'll do it today, and it's no problem but one thing that you need to know is baptism is one of the two ordinances that Jesus gave us before his ascension. Before he went to be with God the Father, there was two ordinances that he gave his disciples, he gave us. And the Lord's table, communion is one of those things. And that's why we partake of communion here uh, once a month, sometimes more. That's why we take communion is because it's one of the ordinances of God. And, and Jesus told us, to do this in remembrance of him. So the second ordinance is this, is to be baptized. And not only to be baptized, but also to baptize. And so it says this in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we see that Jesus, again, just makes it so clear that we're to go make disciples, but we are to baptize them. And I want you to realize something, because this is the way that we're going to baptize this morning. He says this, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And again, we teach here at Momentum Christian Church that uh, God, there is a triune God, that there, there's a trinity, that there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And even though they have different things that they do and different roles that they play, that they are God, the three in one. Again, I could go on for four weeks on just that. But we also see in Luke twenty-two nineteen the other ordinance. And Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. And he's saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we have these two ordinances. And today we're going to be following that first one of baptism. You might say, well, 
how do you get your understanding and uh, as far as what baptism is? And I think the biggest supporter in Scripture is the idea of that baptism is a, a, a baptismal submersion. And again, just like many of you here, I was baptized as a baby. I was sprinkled baptism, baptized in a Catholic church. But it was at the age of 10 that I came to the realization that I needed to repent. It was at the age of 10 that I was born again, that I made Jesus Christ my Lord. And at that moment, I believed that I was in him and he was in me. And I remember taking that step in the waters of baptism and clearly understanding what that meant. And I have not been baptized since, okay? Sometimes you hear people that have been baptized two or three times or four times. And this morning we have made sure that everybody that's being baptized here, that they clearly understand what's going on. The reason why they're being baptized. Uh, I know the mom and dads of some of the children that are, are being baptized. And I know this, that they have clearly laid that out to them. And again, this is one reason why we're teaching on this this morning. And so I would ask you this. Again, maybe you have different thoughts about baptism, but I want to bring to your attention the Greek word in the New Testament and the Hebrew word in the Old where it alludes to baptism actually means this. It means to immerse, to submerge, to make fully wet, to wash. It's kind of like the idea if you were to take a a dye, dye, like in the days of the, the old days of biblical days that we're talking about here, and, and submerse a cloth into dye. If you were to take that white linen and put it in the purple dye, and again, purple in that day spoke of royalty. It meant that you were somewhat wealthy. Uh, think of the story of Lydia, the woman who was the person that sold scarlet or purple robes or, or, or linens. It's that idea of when you dip it in and you were to take it out, Today, if I were to take one of those towels and put it in this water, it would come out completely wet. And so that's the idea of baptism. It's the idea of full submersion. Now, there's one thing that I want to make clear this morning, though, too, is there's some teachings out there that baptism is salvation, that you are not saved or born again until you are baptized. And let me tell you this, Scripture nowhere points to that. Even though we see Baptism taking place different ways in Scripture. No way does it speak about baptism being salvation. If that was the case, people, in my business, I would make sure that I had a tank by the front door and every visitor that came in this place, I'd make sure I dunked them before they left because they'd be saved, right? I don't think it works that way. So, again, it's the idea of baptism is not salvation. And there is a denomination out there that preaches that. And I've, I've sat at a table in love and debated that fact. And, and again, it's a really shaky position to uphold that. I think what it says in the beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says this, And Peter said to them, this is the day of Pentecost, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now again, it's this idea of repenting, coming to the place, and many of you know this, that when you were born again, when you came to the place of salvation, 
that was one of the first things that you had to do. You had to believe and you had to repent. And again, when I was just an infant, I was not old enough to come to that conclusion. Even though the Bible makes it clear that we are born enemies of God. And some of you are saying, oh, pastor, that's willing to do to you. You mean an innocent baby is, is born an enemy of God. And yes, the Bible makes that clear. Because we are born into a sin nature. And so when I was just an infant, I could not repent for my sins. And my parents couldn't repent for my sins. The Bible makes that clear also that there are some and that we, again, uh, believe that, that you can repent for someone else's sin. And I can tell you this, the Bible makes it clear that we are only responsible for our sin. And some of you will say, well, what... What is baptism? And I like to call it believer's baptism because you have to believe, you have to repent to be able to be baptized. And it simply means this, that a person makes a public profession of faith and discipleship. Now, again, I'm one of these guys that I would love to have a baptismal tank that was constantly here, constantly heated to where if somebody came to salvation that we could baptize them the day of. I would love that because I really think that's what we see in Scripture. We see the idea of the Ethiopian eunuch who meets Philip, and, and at that moment, he's baptized. I think about Cornelius and his household, and there's a good one to support that baptism is not salvation because in Cornelius and his household, they actually receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of it, and then they're baptized. But baptism is so important. It's an act of obedience. And again, maybe you're sitting here today, and I remember, I remember uh, Pat Eckmanheiser, if Pat's out here. I remember Daryl, who has passed, who was a good friend of mine, who at the age of, I believe, 72, we baptized Daryl. Because he had never heard that spoken. That it was an act of obedience. That it was an ordinance of God. And I remember baptizing him in the North Branch to Clinton River. He took that step of obedience. And today we have five that are going to step up and say this, pretty much that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. They're letting everybody to hear know, everybody that's watching from home, they're letting them know today, I'm making it clear to everybody here that I am Jesus and He is mine. And that's a big deal. It truly is. Especially in this day. I want you to think about this because the persecution is going to be starting here on the church, on the people of the way. I want you to think about those that are in foreign countries. I think of those that are in Afghanistan that are still in the faith, that are actually some of them in hiding right now from the Taliban. I think about new believers there because I can tell you something. When the church is persecuted, the church grows. And there's going to be those that are in Afghanistan from this day forward that give their life to Christ and they are going to be baptized. And that's really something over there. It's really something over in China. We got Brick Cliff who's going to be coming in here, one of our missionaries from China. And he's going to share with you more than likely about the baptisms that have taken place in bathtubs, behind closed doors, in 
China because they just can't do it publicly. There's a target on their back. And here, because of our religious freedoms, we do things, and I hate calling them baptism bashes. I, 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 I think the name believer's baptism is really what we should keep it at. Because I think what happens is we call them bashes, we call them this and that. It comes more about the celebration and the, the things that happen everywhere, the, the slides and blow-ups that take place. And it's all good fun, but again, I really think that this is a moment in a person's life where they're saying, I am Jesus's and he is mine. You know, I think about the waters of baptism that the five are going to enter today. They're saying, I confess my faith in Jesus Christ. And upon my salvation, he has cleansed me. He has removed and he has paid the price for my sin. And now I have new life in him. And I think about that life, so often we think it's going to be a life of just easy going. But I have in my notes here a new life of sanctification. It's a process, right? Don't you wish that when you got saved, born again, that everything was perfect? That you no longer had to put up with being impatient, being angry, saying things that you shouldn't say? It's a process. And I think we all can relate to that, every one of us here. The believer's baptism illustrates the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, it also illustrates our death to sin and new life in Christ. As a sinner confesses the Lord Jesus Christ, he dies to sin. In Romans 6.10, it says this, For the... For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In Colossians 2.12, it makes it clear that we are raised to a brand new life. It's incredible. It says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in a powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. You know, being submerged in water represents the death to sin. The emerging from the water represents being cleansed, living a holy life that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this all follows salvation. Romans 6.4 puts it this way, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have new life. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that new life. Again, you're talking to somebody at 10 years old that wanted to end their life. That's where I was at age 10. You're talking to somebody that had a father who was an alcoholic who who had no idea how to raise a family, who was abusive. I'm so glad for new life. I'm so glad my father received new life. And when he did, I remember it caused me to come to a place where I realized the only way that my father could have changed is that it was God. 
And God was now alive and he was real. And I remember giving my life to him, realizing that I was also sinful. I'm so glad that God gives us new life. So very, to put it very simple so we can understand, baptism is an outward testimony of the inward change in our lives. Believer's baptism, as I said earlier, is an act of obedience to the Lord after our salvation. Everyone that's going to be baptized here has already made a decision for Christ. They are born again. And we're going to ask them, I'm simply going to ask them the question, what does Jesus mean to you? I don't think there's any fitting, better question than that. Who is Jesus to you? And again, I, I think about a sermon that I preached a couple weeks back in Romans, we have the tendency to make Jesus into something that he's not. How many times do you hear things like this? My God wouldn't do this. My Jesus would not do that. My Jesus would be in support of this. And my Jesus would be support of that. And, and so often what we do is we make a Jesus up or a God up in our own mind instead of looking through the lens of Scripture. And I know this, each one that are being baptized today, that they have a very clear understanding who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ did for them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says this, So those who received His Word were baptized. I want you to key in on that. Again, it's this idea of salvation takes place first. It says those that received His Word. And this is again... This was the day of Pentecost. And remember, Peter preached an amazing sermon that day. The Holy Spirit had filled him, and he preached in a way that we never see him preach again. And thousands came to Christ. Their hearts were pierced. We go back to that story of Pentecost. They received and they understood that they had put Christ on the cross. Their sin had placed him there. I believe that has to be the place that we come to before we're baptized. In Acts 16, 14 through 15, it says this. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyra, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. And after she was baptized. After she was baptized. And not only her, but her household. And there's a key here too. What I was saying earlier. Sometimes we can make God into something that He's not. And Lydia says this, that she was a worshiper of God. But then it says the Lord opened her heart to hear the message. And she was baptized. And she was baptized. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're finding the Lord opening your heart to the message. I want to talk about the history of baptism. The history or the word or the idea of baptism, full submersion, would not have been new to the Jews of Jesus' day. In fact, it happened throughout time. Not the believer's baptism, not the baptism that we're going to perform here today, but there was a baptism that took place. 
And it was for those that were Gentiles that would want to convert to Judaism. That realized that Yahweh was the true and only God. And they would have to go through this process. And this process is these three ceremonial acts that took place in this convert's life. They would have to do these three things. And the first one was circumcision. I'm so glad that that's not an ordinance of God. But that circumcision in a Gentile's life was this idea of it would cleanse your soul. It would cleanse your soul. And then there was the baptism, the immersion in water. And that simply meant that your old life was washed away. And then there was an animal sacrifice, whether a lamb or a dove, that would take place because there was a need for forgiveness of sin. And it had to be provided to a substitute. And we know this, under the new covenant, Jesus Christ is that perfect sacrifice that has been given for us. Almost all of us here are what the Bible would say is Gentiles. We've been grafted into the family, into the body of God. And Jesus was our perfect sacrifice. And you say, okay, pastor, so that's part of the history of baptism that took place in a Gentile's life that wanted to convert to Judaism. But what, what other history do we see? Well, the next history we see in Scripture is John the Baptist and his baptism. John's purpose for his baptism was, was to get people ready for the coming of the Messiah. Remember, he was the one that Isaiah says was crying out into the wilderness. He was saying, make straight in the desert and the highway for our God. Uh, He was crying this out, and we can see that in Isaiah 40, verse 3. And remember, one thing about John the Baptist, and we learned this in our study of Mark, that he was one of the only prophets that was accepted by the Jewish people that day. In fact, he was the only prophet that they did not kill. Remember who killed John the Baptist? Herod. They actually believed that John the Baptist, because of prophecy in Malachi 4, and you can look it up, Malachi 4, 5 through 6, was Elijah. And Elijah was a hero to the Jewish people. But John was teaching. He was doing a baptism of repentance, preparing for the Messiah. Now, one thing I want to cause and make you realize that salvation was not available yet at this time. We see in Matthew 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, Repent, this is John, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the Jewish people Believe it or not, God was moving upon them to realize that what they were believing was not necessarily what God was speaking. And it says that many, many came and were baptized in this idea of repenting, repenting from the tradition, from the law that had bound them to a point that they had gotten to the point where they were just so bound because of men and the laws that men had put on them. So we see John's baptism was this baptism of repentance. It was making a way for the Messiah. 
And to me, it's just amazing that massive of, masses of Jews came to be baptized. In fact, if you look at Scripture in Matthew chapter 2, you'll see that the Pharisees were actually turned away because they were ones that were stooped in the law that was not God's law. And we see Jesus' baptism. We see that in Matthew 11, or 3, verse 11. And sometimes I've had people ask me, well, what in the world is going on with Jesus being baptized? Because does Jesus need to repent? Absolutely not, right? We know that Jesus was sinless. The Bible makes that clear. And I believe that even though in the world that we're living today, that is not preached in many churches. Or a lot of people don't believe that anymore. The polls say, I forget what the statistics are, but it's huge today that people believe that Jesus sinned when he was here on earth. I believe Jesus was completely sinless because the Bible tells me that. Can you imagine growing up with him in your household? For you that have brothers and sisters? Can you imagine that one sibling that was perfect, never did anything wrong? Yikes. That would have been tough. So we know that John's baptism was this baptism of repentance. We already looked at that. We know that Jesus was sinless, that he didn't need to repent. And even John, when Jesus showed up, was taken aback. In fact, when Jesus showed up, John recognized his own sin. He became really aware that he was a sinful man in need of repentance. He even makes it clear, and he, he, he makes it clear that he's unfit to baptize Jesus because Jesus is the spotless Lamb of God. In fact, he says this in Matthew 3.14, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And we see Jesus replies that it should be done because it is proper for us to do this, to fulfill the righteousness. And you can see that in Matthew 3.15. There are several reasons why it was fitting for John to baptize Jesus. For one thing, it was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus was ready to embark on this ministry that God had put upon him, uh, this work that God had for him. And so he needed to be recognized as the forerunner, as the Messiah. And John, who else would be more perfect? The one who was crying in the wilderness, as we've seen in Isaiah 40, verse 3. By baptizing Jesus, John was declaring to all that this was the one that they were waiting for, the Son of God. The one that was predicted was being baptized. Now there's something here that's said, and Jesus says this, and John says this, that that Jesus is going to baptize not only with water, with the Holy Spirit, but with fire. Now, I want to just make clear that we understand what's being said there. You can see that in John chapter 1, verse 29. Believe me, you don't want to be baptized with fire. <laughs> I've heard this taught wrong a lot of times. Water baptism, yes, we want to be baptized. Do we want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, that happens upon salvation. 
But baptism with fire is the wrath of God. You know, I remember about nine years ago, came senior pastor here. I was pastor already. But I remember, and some of you that were on that worship team, you remember we had a huge sit-down. Some of the elders were there. And because we got into this big argument about this song called Fire Fall Down. And it was this song that repeated that phrase, Fire fall down, fire fall down, fire fall down. And I remember as the pastor just saying, no, we, we don't want to sing this. Everywhere you see fire fall down in Scripture, it was always in wrath. And I don't want to call the fire of God down on our congregation. So this fire of being baptized with fire, and this is, again, Jesus talking about, or John talking about this, the one that will do that. And we know that that is coming in days forward or days to come. I want you to think about this, though. Jesus' baptism by John, it kind of takes on one other dimension here. Think about this, and if you know history or culture or uh, of the day, John was actually of the tribe of Levi. And that tribe of Levi was a direct descendant of Aaron. And we see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. And one of the duties of the priests of the Old Testament was to present sacrifices before the Lord. And John the Baptist, the baptism of Jesus, would be seen exactly as this. The presentation of the ultimate sacrifice. The Jewish people would have caught wind of this. It's, sometimes we lose this idea and this thought. Jesus was that ultimate sacrifice, the last sacrifice that would ever be needed. Think about John's words the day after the baptism of Jesus. He says this, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's in John 1.29. I believe that Jesus' baptism also shows that he identifies with us. I believe that his baptism symbolized to us as sinners that through new life that we can be baptized in the righteousness of Christ. We must die, but we can also be raised with him. That we can receive the perfect righteousness of Christ. You've heard me say this before. As pastor, I have people come up to me often and say, Pastor, can you pray with me? I know you're a holy man. I know that God hears the prayers of a righteous man. It says in Scripture, the prayers of a righteous man avail much. And let me say this, that's men and women. And often I'll say to them, I'll look right at them and say, well, are you saved? Are you born again? And when they answer me yes, I will say, well, do you know that your prayers avail much? That you are righteous because of what you did on the cross. I think also that Jesus coming to John showed his approval of John's baptism. It definitely bared witness to what John was doing and the mission that God had John on. 
Again, the Jewish people applauded John. We know this, that came down to Herod arresting him. But I think it showed that John was doing exactly what God had called him to. And I think we can see that in Matthew 14, 3 through 11. I think about what happened on Jesus' baptism. Again, the one who was God, the one that was sinless. We see the embodiment of the triune God show up. We know that the voice of God the Father was heard. This is my son, in whom what? I'm well pleased. But then the Holy Spirit, it says, descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. Right there, the triune God showed up. Just a powerful thing. Another baptism I want to look at just shortly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think this is something that is taught sometimes very wrong. I think the Word of God makes it clear. In fact, if you want to, I actually did a series on the Holy Spirit. You can go on our website and we can find that. It's on a Wednesday night. I did like a six-week study on the Holy Spirit. But what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And when does it happen? The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens upon your salvation. The Bible makes that clear throughout. What does it do? It joins us to the body of Christ, and it brings us to the reality, our crucifixion with Christ. It means that we are risen with Him to newness of life, and we've seen that in Romans 6.4 already. And because of that, we have been given spiritual gifts in which we should exercise. In 1 Corinthians 12.13, it says this, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink from one spirit. So it makes it clear that upon salvation that you are, again, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this is the only time that you will see the idea of baptism in the Holy Spirit in Scripture. I've had people tell me before that the baptism takes place in their life time and time and time and time and time again. Listen, I will say this. The Bible makes it clear that the Holy Spirit is a spirit that fills us, but also flows through us. In fact, it's this, that it should be like a stream that flows from us and out our bellies, continuous. The Bible does not say that the Holy Spirit is a mucky, stagnant pond to where when the pond goes dry, I think about my pond at home in front yard, after or before this rain, it was going down and down and down and all of a sudden, we got a couple of days of rain, and guess what? It filled back up. But you know what? It didn't overflow. And see, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that Holy Spirit, again, continually in a believer's life, as long as we are in right standing with God, because we know this, that sin hinders our relationship. It does not mean the Holy Spirit is void, but our relationship is hindered. But I believe... God's perfect plan for the believer is this, is that the Holy Spirit is continually flowing through them. To bring not only life to others, but also to be able to be used by God in a powerful way. I think about what the Bible says, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He will quicken your mortal bodies. 
The baptism of the Holy Spirit that we see here is talking about being immersed into the church. And I'm talking not just Momentum Christian Church, but I'm talking about the real church of Jesus Christ. That's meeting all over this country, all over the world on the Lord's Day. This is why I can go to the Philippines and I have brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why I can go to India, to the Lepers Church, and know that they are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Because upon salvation, upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are immersed into the body of Christ, this huge family of God. Almost perfect. So today, you that are being baptized, the Apostle Paul says this in Romans 6, 3-4, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That we may walk in newness of life. 